You're listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. For more information on RSM, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our student pastor, Gabe Pecoraro. Well, I am glad to be back with you guys. We are actually joining in with main service with the series called A Weary World Rejoices. But before we get into that, I have a couple of announcements. First things first, who knows what's happening January 13th through the 16th? That's it, that's it. And who is excited to be there? Who still needs to sign up? A few of you guys. Hey, it's all good. Joseph, I think you actually might be signed up. Or is that Eli? Eli, I think you might be signed up, but you may not be signed up. We'll see. Anyways, I am excited. I think it's gonna be crazy. If you have not signed up, please get signed up. Y'all wanna hear something crazy? So last year at Winter Retreat, we had like, like 40, no, not even, 37 students, right? This year we have over 70. So we about to be having a party up in there. It's gonna be a lot of us. It's gonna be a lot of fun. So if you aren't in that 70, get in there, invite your friends. There's no cap. The more people you bring, the tighter us leaders are gonna be, okay? So it's gonna be a thing, all right? But get signed up for Winter Retreat. That is on the website. The next thing is if you guys... Raise your hand if you're interested in playing a musical instrument or singing or something. That's a lot of you guys, awesome. So all of you guys who raised your hand, I want you to go to our Instagram page. And if you don't have an Instagram, I need you to get your mom or your brother or your dad. You don't need an Instagram, you don't need it. I need you to get whoever is the closest to you with an Instagram to go to the RSM Instagram page. Click on, what is it called, a link tree? Click on the link tree and there is a sign up for a form um, for Worship Cooperative. And what Worship Cooperative is, is our church's training ground for all of you guys who wanna get good at music. And so whether you've been playing an instrument for 118 years and you're only 12, or you have never touched an instrument before, you only listen to music on Apple Music, we will take you and our goal is to be able to teach you so that you can lead worship, so that you can play. We wanna build you guys up. So if you're interested, this is, like a, this is like a low cost free thing. Go on the Instagram page, click that link. All right, cool. And if you don't have an instrument, we'll figure that out. All right, don't let that stop you from signing up, okay? Last announcement, I need y'all to go nuts because Hold up, let me see. Caleb Cunningham, stand up. Turn around. Y'all see that shirt? That shirt's pretty flames, right? Well, I'm pretty sure the winter merch that starts tonight is even more flames. Oh, yes. That thing is straight fire, okay? So just so you guys know, that QR code takes you to the link to get it, all right? The shirt, do you, how much money is the shirt? $15, it's a $15 t-shirt. You can sign or you can get one, put your size in with that link. You can pay right now or you can pay later, okay? And we will have that registration open for two 
weeks, okay? And I'll do a better job next week. And on the back of your little bulletins, I'll put that QR code there as well so that next week, if you wanna scan your bulletin, you can scan it. But everybody get that scan and we're gonna take it down in three, two, one. All right. If you didn't get the QR code, we'll get it to you later, all right? But those shirts are pretty flames, aren't they? They're pretty flames, right? Nobody agrees with me? Y'all think those shirts are fire? Okay, much better, much better. Well, let's get jumping into our series, all right? And tonight we are starting the series, A Weary World Rejoices. And we are going to be talking about hope. And what we're talking about in regards to hope is how do we actually have hope when so much craziness is going on around us? Raise your hand if we live in a crazy world. Raise your other hand if you think it's just only getting crazier. Raise your third hand, wait a second. Okay, I'm just checking, just checking. So we are talking about how to have hope in a world that desperately needs it, desperately. And honestly, I talked about this a little bit on Sunday, I'm sure Matt did at Greenville, but why, why is, do we live in a world that's hopeless? Why do we live in a world that, that is weary? Well, because a lot of times we see that people are striving for purpose. They're trying to figure things out. They feel like they're doing so much in life, but they don't really have an aim or a direction, something they're shooting for. We see that the phrase a lot of times will live your truth and nobody knows what their truth is, right? Everybody's confused about everything, right? What is truth? How do I find truth? What's the real truth? Everybody's figuring that out. We're weary from doing that. We just need something to hold on to. And I believe ultimately that we live in a world that's weary because we have either one, as Christians, forgotten where our hope comes from because our hope is in Jesus, or we don't know about Jesus and so we don't have hope. And because we're hopeless, we're weary, we're tired. We feel like we're stranded, we don't have purpose. And that's what we're gonna be talking about tonight and next week, is as Christians, how do we, one, look at the Christmas story, look at the Christmas season, the promise of Jesus, and how do we get hope from that? And then how do we show others our hope through that? So are y'all ready to go with me? Y'all ready to take a journey? Cool, we're doing it, we're doing it. So I got a question for you guys. Have y'all ever felt just like, eh, before? Y'all know that feeling? Like you can't really describe it. Somebody's like, how you doing? You're like, fine. And then, every, I mean, everybody knows when you ask somebody and they say fine, there's way more going on than that. But have y'all just ever felt eh? Like you just can't describe it. It's just, that's how I feel. I just feel eh. What about, have you ever felt like just nothing was happening in your life? Yeah. Have y'all ever felt like, I don't know, do you, like God doesn't see you? Have y'all ever felt that? Or God doesn't hear your prayers? Or have you ever felt like God hears everybody else's prayers, but he doesn't hear mine? Everything else goes right for these people, but for me, everything just goes wrong, yeah? Well, we're gonna turn to a passage of scripture. This is the last passage in the book of Malachi, I mean Malachi. I'm, just, I'm making sure that y'all are awake, making sure that y'all are awake. But this is the last chapter in the last book of the Old Testament, okay? And What's the Old Testament? Can you, somebody give me a, a brief explanation? What's up? Yeah. 
Yes, perfect. Old Testament before Jesus, New Testament with Jesus, post Jesus, right? Simple explanation. So this is the very last chapter in the Old Testament of scripture before Jesus comes, right? And so this is where we're gonna turn from, Malachi 4, and this is what it says. The Lord of heaven's army says, the day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out to pasture. On the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, said the Lord of heaven's armies. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all Israel. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. So why did we read that passage? That's the last thing said before the Old Testament in the New Testament, last thing of the Old Testament. And in between the, what looks like probably in most of y'all's Bible, a page of division before the New Testament starts, there was 400 years where God's people heard nothing You guys couldn't even make it 13 milliseconds before saying something. 400 years that God's people heard nothing from him between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And this is what God's people, le that's what God left his people with was this last chapter. And in the chapter, you see that there's a day of judgment coming where the righteous and the wicked are gonna be judged. We see this person, the son of righteousness, which most people agree is, is Jesus, right? And when the son of righteousness comes, he will rise with healing in his wings, healing for all people. And then it talks about how you need to remember the law of Moses. And what is the law of Moses? Well, do you guys remember a while back when we talked about the Torah and the 613 laws that God's people had in the Old Testament? Some of y'all remember that? Yeah? So that is what that was, the law of Moses, the things that God's people had to do in order to remember him, the festivals and, and the things that they would do to remember the things that God had done, right? And so... That's the last thing left to God's people before the New Testament begins and Jesus comes. And that was it. So point one for tonight is when all seems quiet, he's already said enough. And what do I mean by that? So for the Israelites during the time of Malachi, I mean Malachi, they had the law of Moses, right? those 613 laws that told them how to do life the right way. They also had all the prophets who had spoke things of, of Jesus to come. He had spoke things of what would happen with the Israelites, right? They had those things to look back on. They also then had the last chapter of Malachi. And in that chapter, it says, remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all Israel. That's Malachi 4.4. So they had that. And why 
did Malachi 4.4, before these 400 years of silence, tell them to remember the law of Moses and to fix their eyes on God? Why do y'all think that? What's that? Keep them from sinning, yes, but there was about to be 400 years of quiet. So what's the point of remembering when they're not gonna hear anything from God? What's that? To protect their faith, exactly. So in this time, the last, one of the last things God's people are instructed to do is to remember. When all was about to be quiet, when all was gonna be silent, what God told his people to do was to remember. And how is that applicable to us today in a world that feels hopeless, that feels quiet, that feels like God is not there so much of the time? Well, as God's people, we are to remember what he has already said because what he has already said is more than enough for us. I'm gonna show you guys a video clip and there's not gonna be any sound and we're gonna talk about it afterwards and I think it'll help this point get driven in a little further, okay? Can y'all turn that video clip on? What movie is that? No. All right, somebody raise their hand who knows what happens and knows the, the famous phrase, and I need you to tell me. Uh, give it to me in the back. And what happened though? What was happening in the scene? Here, we'll switch, we'll come up front. Why did you know exactly what happened? Well, no, but like, for, for real, why did you guys know exactly what happened? With no sound, why did you guys know exactly what happened? How many times have y'all watched that movie? Raise your hand if you've seen that movie more than 10 times in your life. The majority of people in here, 20, 25, 40. See, all right, you guys get what I'm, do you guys get what I'm driving at here? Bring it back, bring it back. When the clip was silent, you knew exactly what was happening. Why? Because all you do every single Christmas is turn on Elf and watch. In your life, when you feel that God is silent, how much time would you, have you spent with his scripture to remember what it says? So even when it's quiet, you know that he's still working and he's still moving 
and he's still fighting for you. And even when it doesn't make sense, there's still a purpose in your life. You are doing yourself a disservice if you've spent more time with Elf than you have in God's word. And the problem is, is for most of us, you've spent more time with Elf than you've had in God's word. Why is it that you can remember cotton-headed ninny muggins more than the promises of God? What are things that can give you hope when God seems silent and quiet in your life? Well, Romans 10, nine through 10 is very, very simple. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. You don't have to worry about where your eternity is gonna lie because you have chosen to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Matthew 1, says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Jesus that you serve is God with you. Psalm 35 says, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. You can remember that even in the trials of your life, there will be an end. It may not be the end on this side of eternity, but there is victory in the future. One of my favorite passages of scripture is Psalm 23, four. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. So in your life, when you feel like everything is dead around you, everything is death around you, your family members are passing away. Your family's got problems. Your friends got problems. All these things are happening. You can turn to the Lord because he is with you in every single circumstance. What am I getting at here? When God feels silent, he has already said enough. It's just a matter of you spending the time with it to realize what he said. How many times did it take you to memorize that, that Buddy said cotton-headed ninny muggins right there? Probably about three or four, right? I guarantee you that if you spent the full length of the Elf movie on trying to memorize some scriptures of God, you'll know more than all of us and you'll be the most joyful, peaceful person because you have taken time to ingest scripture, to let it be hidden in your heart so that when times get rough, when times get troubled, you are able to pull from the promises of God to remember that he is with you. So when all seems quiet, God has already said enough. In your life, when you feel like he is not there, go back to what he's already said. I'm Emmanuel, I am with you. When you feel like things don't make sense, should you choose to remember that scripture is there? Should you choose to memorize it and commit it to your heart? You'll recognize that God is the Prince of Peace and that he wants to give you peace that surpasses all understanding that guards your heart and your mind. You'll know that in Matthew eight, you'll see that Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy burden and I will give you rest for my yoke is easy and burden is light. How do I know these things? Because I opened up the Bible and I memorized them. And what does that make me better than you? Absolutely not. What it does is when I am going through the things in my life that are troublesome, I can remember who my God is. And so I'm no different in the fact that me and you are both faulty people and I probably mess up more than all of y'all. You can ask all your small group leaders. I was a terrible RS, RSM student a lot of times. But a lot of times the difference is have you spent time with God's word? David is very clear. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. 
Have you hidden his word in your heart? So when all seems quiet, he's already said enough. The second point is we are only part of the whole. So remember how I talked about how there was 400 years in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? 400 years where nobody heard nothing from God. And oftentimes in our own life, when things don't go our own way, we feel like God stopped moving. One of my favorite things to say is God is often doing 10,000 things and we're lucky if we see three of them, right? Well, let me tell you the ways that God was actually ordering all things in between the Old Testament and the New Testament to make the world ready to receive the Savior. Because before the New Testament, what did we see? We saw that the world was divided up into a bunch of countries and nations that didn't speak the same language. We saw that there wasn't good roads, there wasn't central language, there wasn't ways to get to places, it was dangerous to go to places, all these things, right? So, when the Old Testament kind of ends, we see that the Persians were ruling over Israel, and then after that, the Greeks ruled over Israel, right? And both of these groups kind of allowed the Jewish people, God's people, some religious freedom. They allowed them to keep following God, which was awesome. But one thing that we saw was when the Greeks began to rule the Israelites, they also promoted a culture that was pretty much like ours. Find your truth, do your truth, do whatever you wanna do, just live your life, it's all good, YOLO, carpe diem, whatever you wanna throw in there, right? So the Greeks were promoting this culture. And so as the, the Jewish people were trying to follow God, they also all around them were beginning to see people who did not wanna do that at all. And so some of those ideas began to kind of get into the Greek culture, or the, I'm sorry, the, the Hebrew culture, God's people's culture, the Jews, and we see them kind of split up a little bit. And then after the Greeks, Rome came, big bad Rome, right? And they conquered everything. Well, what did Rome do? As Rome conquered, we saw that language was centralized. The speaking of God's people kind of moved from a Hebrew to more of a Greek thing. Um, and we also saw that roads became a thing. And in the midst of this, everybody speaks a similar language in this area roads to places are becoming available. So it'd be easy to carry a message. I don't know that the savior of the world has come, right? And a lot of the Greeks and Romans saw the Israelite, the Jewish people's culture and began to have questions. They began to question their mythology a little bit because they saw that these people live differently than us. And so those kind of questions were coming up. And what was God doing in all this? God was priming not only the Jewish people's hearts, but the whole world to be able to receive Jesus. Because let's think about it in Old Testament terms. If Jesus came right at the end of the Old Testament, language wouldn't be centralized, roads wouldn't be there. It'd be pretty hard to spread a message, wouldn't it? Right? But over 400 years, all those things came into place. And that's just one of like many, many, many things. So in between that time, God was doing something that the people didn't see. I love the example of this. If you are a puzzle piece, 
God sees the whole puzzle and you see a piece. In our lives, we get mad at God because something didn't go our way, but what we don't realize is God was probably protecting us from this other thing. God was also protecting this other person. God, like, he's got the whole world in his hands, doesn't he? And that's what he was doing. He was ordering things. I think another example of this, I'm gonna take Jeffrey's guitar. Jeffrey does know that he's, Jeffrey knows I'm doing this, but another example of this would be like this. I think oftentimes, can y'all hear that? So oftentimes in our life, we feel like our life is just kind of boring, just really plain, stagnant, like God's not there, like it's quiet. We're not making something beautiful. Are y'all getting kind of bored of this note, right? And, and so on our own, we just feel like we're there, we're in, right? What is God doing with this? Why does this not look like what I wanted it to look like? But when we begin to zoom back, when we trust that God has a plan and a purpose, he sees the whole puzzle, this turns to something beautiful. So this now is created out of our single note. But without us trusting God's plan, when it seems quiet, when it seems boring, when it seems like he is not there, how are we gonna play our part in creating music? You see, when we all work together, something beautiful is created. But what it requires is remembering that what he has already said is enough and trusting that when it feels quiet, that he does order all things. And that's what we see. We see that God orders the steps of the righteous. And a lot of times we forget that God orders every step of every single righteous person on this planet. And I'm pretty sure that we're across 8 billion now, right? Did that happen the other day? So there you go. Remember that. You're a puzzle in a massive puzzle. Or you're a piece in a massive puzzle. And the last point is this. Seek and you will find. We've talked a lot about God being quiet tonight. But there's a promise in scripture in Matthew chapter seven. It says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. To everyone who knocks, the door will be open. So what do we see in this passage? That if we ask God things, he'll answer, right? Cool, seek and find, awesome. Here's what I want you guys to know. It does not take a doggone PhD to seek God because Everybody, myself included, oftentimes we be way too overcomplicating this thing. We feel like I'm not educated enough. I don't know enough Bible enough. I don't have the right praise music enough. I don't, I'm in school all day. I can't do it. I'm not smart enough. I'm not old enough. What's it, what's it matter? I'm in middle school. Why should I seek God? All of these things, right? We be making seeking God way too complicated. Notice my grammar there, right? It does not take a PhD to ask and to seek and to knock. Can a person with one hand knock? Can a person with two hands knock? Can a short person knock? Can a tall person knock? Can a small person knock? 
Can a dumb person knock? Can a smart person knock? Can a person who speaks Chinese knock? Can a person who speaks English knock? Can a person who speaks Spanish knock? Can a person with no foot knock? Can a person with no legs knock? Can a person who's been in a car accident knock? Can a person who's had a perfect life their entire life knock? Do you see what I'm saying here? Every single person can ask and seek and find and knock. Stop doing yourself a disservice by feeling like you can't seek God because you're not old enough or I don't have it all together. Just doggone knock. I can guarantee you that we got some little babies in here that are way too old to be walking already. Somebody should have pushed them down a while ago to slow them down. They can knock too, right? Right? Everybody can knock. It's what matters is if you actually choose to knock. And the promise of scripture is that if you choose to seek, you will find. Now, one thing that's tough about that is sometimes God's gonna give you an answer that you don't wanna hear. But if you remember what we just talked about, that God orders all things then you also trust, like what the first point was, you trust in his promise, you'll recognize that even if it's not the answer that I want, God has a plan and it's bigger than me. And also, God's plans, they're for my good and for his glory. So God, he cares about you more than you even care about you. Remember that. Ask and seek and knock. It doesn't take a PhD, doesn't take a college degree, doesn't take a high school diploma, doesn't take a certain age, doesn't take a certain status, doesn't take anything like that to seek God. Just do it. Don't overcomplicate it. And another verse that I wanna point out is Matthew 6, 11. It says, give us this day our daily bread. And oftentimes we talk about a physical need when we talk about this passage, but I truly do believe that that our daily bread is also a spiritual need because we are, we are spiritual beings with a, a physical body. And so as we walk through this earth, there's gonna be times where we need something, right? Our, our spirit, maybe it feels downcast. Maybe our spirit is scared or anxious. Maybe our spirit is over the moon, we're joyful, right? Our spirit feels things too. So whether physical or spiritual, I think oftentimes we feel like God is silent because we are not asking for our daily bread. We're asking for, I need this year's bread right now. I need next year's bread right now. Raise your hand if with school, y'all have done one of them career surveys since like the first grade that tells you, you wanna be, a, I got like janitor, I got like all these things, right? They knew, they knew, don't be putting Gabe in a big boy jail. Oh guys, no, don't do that. But how many of y'all been doing them career surveys for who knows how long, right? We get that type of mindset when it comes to seeking God. God, I feel like I don't have my final life's purpose figured out. Good, Pastor Jeremy doesn't have his final life's purpose figured out, right? My grandma, who is way old, she don't have her life's purpose figured out, right? Start asking God for your daily bread. Father, give me all that I need today and trust that he will. And again, if you choose to commit those promises to your heart, he will do it. So what all does this have to do with when God is silent? Well, when God feels silent in your life, have you taken the time to remember what he's already said? 
because I guarantee you what he's already said is enough. The other thing that you have to remember is if you look around and you feel like maybe my life isn't what I want it to be, there is a bigger picture at play here and God owns that picture, not you. So trust him. And the last thing is walking with God is a step-by-step, day-by-day thing. If you feel like he's silent, one, maybe you haven't asked, seeked, and not. I think so many times we get upset because so many of our passionless prayers aren't answered for good reason because it's probably like we actually ask God to care about something that we don't care about ourselves. And that's a fact. How many of y'all have gone into a test and asked God to give you an A when all your actions leading up to the test showed that you didn't care a lick about it? I didn't study for this test, but God gave me an A. And honestly, what convicts me is I've gone into prayer asking for healing like that, for healing in my family, healing in my own life. God, heal this person. I spent 13 milliseconds asking God to heal this person and that's it. I feel like a lot of times we go into prayer and there's no passion. We expect to move the heart of God and we ourselves don't even have our own hearts moved. So keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking and recognize that this is a daily thing. When God feels silent, keep seeking and you will find. When God feels silent, remember there's a bigger picture at play. And when God feels silent, look back on scripture and look at what he's already said. Even when he's silent, he's with you. Even when he's silent, he's a strong tower that the righteous run into are saved. Does that make sense? Yeah? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this night and thank you for what you do. I pray that you would encourage our hearts from this message and that we would be challenged. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Renovation Student Ministries podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.